1: From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm your host Ariana Bravo, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Summer break is over, and Formula One is back in action with the Belgian Grand Prix kicking off today. FP1 was topped by Valtteri Bottas, while Max Verstappen was fastest of FP2, but ended his session with a crash that brought out a red flag and the end of the session. We've had changing weather conditions so far today with rain falling but the track generally staying dry for when cars were out. In FP1, after 10 minutes of slow and untimed laps on the intermediates, the drivers switched to slicks with a mixture of hard and medium compounds. However, conditions remained slippery with both Kimi Räikkönen and Yuki Snowder spinning on their first laps on the dry compounds. Pierre Gasly and Esteban Ocon spent chunks of time at the top of the timesheets before Max Verstappen started his runs on the hards and went fastest, going on to then improve on his times. Meanwhile, Mercedes were running different downforce configurations, with Valtteri Bottas trialling a low downforce setup and Lewis Hamilton the opposite. And with under 15 minutes to go, Bottas leapt up the order with his first run on the softs, while Hamilton wound up 18th after his soft run was affected when he caught Nicholas Latifi and was forced to back out. In FP2, the session was twice red flagged due to crashes by Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen, but ultimately ended with Max Verstappen leading Valtteri Bottas and Lewis Hamilton, with both Mercedes drivers less than a tenth of his pace on the medium tyres, while Verstappen's best time came on the soft compound. Fernando Alonso was sporting a helmet camera that provided some incredible footage of him throughout the session, and he set the fourth fastest time for Alpine ahead of Gasly and Stroll. Meanwhile, we saw a spin for his teammate Esteban Ocon out of turn 14, but he was able to avoid the barriers and continue his session after a trip to the pits. As mentioned, we saw two red flags interrupting the long runs in FP2, firstly caused by Charles Leclerc, who ended up 18th in the final standings after losing the rear of his car and ultimately sliding into the barriers between turns 6 and 7, which knocked the front left off of his car. Shortly after, Verstappen lost the rear of his red ball as he ran through the fast right-hander and went off backwards into the barriers on the outside, damaging both right-side wheels and prematurely ending the session with a few minutes to go. I am very happy to be back chatting about Formula 1, and joining me to do so is Jonathan Noble, Motorsport.com's F1 editor. John, lovely to have you back on the podcast. F1 cars are back on track. Second off of the season is underway. How are you feeling?
2: Spa's always quite a fun. Feels like not quite the first day of the season, but does definitely feel like the the start of the maybe the start of the school year because it's almost a similar similar yeah. time. Yeah, all good cars in action again. Um pretty unpredictable looking very very close. Um just as we like it.
1: Exactly how we like it. Now, of course, before the summer break we saw the championship standings swing from Red Bull to Mercedes and unsurprisingly all eyes are on both teams as you know as they have been throughout the season so far like you said it's obvious that things are going to continue being close it is neck and neck throughout this season but if we just look at the track itself which team do you think out of the red bull and the mercedes are looking stronger going into the weekend just based off of track um track characteristics and why
2: if you were looking at it on pure paper terms in, in theory of where these two teams stack up you'd have to say it was a Mercedes track just because their um, aero concept in theory delivers more downforce they appear to have found some extra element of performance from the power unit um, maybe not in ultimate horsepower terms but probably more in energy deployment just how they use this extra energy over a lap which has delivered them um, a bit of a step forward in power which we saw in the the most recent races Um, kind of hungry Silverstone time so I think you'd you'd have to point it to them but we know the Red Bull's quick we know the Red Bull's been quick at tracks like Paul Ricard where Mercedes have been dominant in the past so there's very little to choose between it and I think what we what we've seen today um, with the wing experiments you know both teams experimenting with low downfall settings and high downfall settings will probably set the tone for the weekend just as it has at other venues where we've seen over teams go different routes Drivers go different routes, so I think this whole weekend will hinge on the downforce choice that Red Bull and Mercedes make, and then whether it's split between those teams. Because you could go high downforce, uh, in the hope of that paying off if it rains, then it doesn't rain, and then as Lewis says, get your forecast wrong, you can end up like a sitting duck on the straights. So I think it's a very tense weekend, very, very close, and it may well, you know, when when we come back to analyze the outcome on Sunday. It could well be decided by, you know, choices that are being made right now in engineering rooms about the best downforce level to go for.
1: And based off of what we saw today, and as we said, we saw the two teams experimenting with different setups. Is there anything to indicate which may be stronger if we go on the basis that we don't think it's going to pour down with rain? I mean, I've had so many different predictions for the forecast for Sunday. I've had 40%, I've had 50%, I've had 90%. Um, so let's just go straight down the middle and say that, you know, 50-50, but how will the teams be approaching it based off of the data that we saw today?
2: Yeah, well, so, well spas is probably the most ch- the tricky track to, to try to get the balance right because the, the first and third sectors mm-hmm. are obviously pretty much flat-out sections. There's a few, obviously, the, the um, chicane at the end, um, bus stop chicane, um, obviously isn't flat-out, very, very slow speed. But So sectors one and three, you want as little downforce as possible, and then sector two, you want the most downforce possible. So you're always compromising whichever setup route you go for, you're compromising one of those. Um, the drivers, obviously, if it is wet, um, then you know downforce and grip will be really, really important. So you want as much downforce as possible. So you would be mighty quick in the second sector. And even for qualifying, it's probably the right route to go for because there's a lot, a lot of lap time to be gained if you can max that middle sector. But the problem is you do that, you run a high drag then, then in the race you're exposed, as Lewis said, you're that sitting duck on the straight. So it's a really tough choice to make. Um, further complicated by the rain. Um, it depends on kind of where your teammate is and how you're how you're mapping things out with that. And could you perhaps run higher downforce, get a toe off your teammate in qualifying to not lose as much speed on the straights? So I, I think as we've seen in the past, often often is that if you go higher downforce it's quicker for qualifying mm-hmm. but it costs you in the race so you've, you've always got this complete trade-offs There is no ideal solution but the teams at the end of the day have to make a decision for qualifying About are they going for that pole position time hoping for the rain and that it will help them overall in the race or do you just go for this low downfall setting risk not starting at the front um but um, that then paying off on Sunday because you can overtake people and come on through. And I think for Valtteri Bottas in particular, he will probably he will probably want to go for a low downforce setting purely because he's got this five-place grid penalty, so he'll need to come through. So does that then force Mercedes to split strategies? Who knows?
1: Yeah, I was about to say that about Valtteri Bottas. Of course, he has that five-place grid penalty following the incident in Hungary just before the summer break, which automatically rules him out of going for that pole position start on the Sunday. But it will be interesting to see how that feeds into the setup decision. Now let's talk about Max Verstappen because as I said in the introduction, he of course ended today with a crash. What what happened there? What where did that come from? Uh was it just a momentary lapse of concentration? Was it just a little pushing too hard? Is it an indication of anything more or just one of those things that happens when you're finding the limits
2: no i think it was i think it was a tricky friday the weather's been much cooler today than we're expecting so I think you're, you're always struggling at spa to get your tires up to temperature then you've also had a disrupted disrupted session um obviously the, the, the clerk red flag so drivers didn't really get into the rhythm. didn't really get into their long runs um then with a little short time at the end, obviously you're pushing as hard as possible to try to find the limits. And if you're Lewis Hamilton or Max Verstappen, you know that every tenth, even every hundredth, can count for a lot around here in this this fight for potentially pole position and, and the race win. So you've got to you've got to find the limit. And you know, as we often say in Formula One, the only way to find the limit is by going over it. So if it was just a classic, slightly rear end stepped out a tiny little bit. Um, and it came around and he, he swiped the barriers. So nothing major, better to happen on a Friday than a Saturday. Because um, obviously if it happens on a Saturday with your race gearbox in, that you can be in big trouble. But um, the team should be able to repair that, no problem, and he'll be back out again in the morning.
1: Now in that session, he led both of the Mercedes drivers, but they weren't that far off, as we said. So they were on the mediums while the was on the softs. What are you expecting in terms of tyre choices looking forward to the weekend?
2: Yeah, it's a tricky one because the soft the soft in theory is always a, a quicker tyre mm-hmm. but has it got the question was has it got the durability to maintain that advantage throughout the entire lap um so i think we've seen there was some mixed mixed results today where the medium tyre appeared to be quicker for some but max always got that lap out of it on the soft so i think that'd be one more for the engineers to dig deeper into just to see how much the soft was falling away towards the end of the lap so you'll have to do your GPS overlays on the high downfall settings and low downfall settings and is the soft better with one or the other or is the medium a better tyre and then obviously you've got to factor also in the the race um, because obviously you want as durable a tyre as possible because if the soft isn't going to last very long you don't want to be too exposed in the race and if plus if there's a threat of rain um, you want to be on a tyre that maximises your opportunity um, to stay out potentially five or six laps longer if the rain's coming because the worst case scenario is you're on a soft tire that's performance is falling off massively you know it's going to rain in 10 minutes time but you can't you don't want to then pit one lap and then have to come in the next lap uh, for wet tires because your race is run so you, there's this constant battle and compromise and things so much that teams can't predict racing around spa
1: And that's what makes this such an exciting race weekend, (laughs) as always. I know everyone always, you know, really looking forward to this one. It's such an exciting track. And yeah, this weekend, I'm sure, will deliver. Let's talk about Max's teammate, though, Checo. Of course, he announced today that he'll be sticking with Red Bull for another year. He placed P6 and FP1 today and p10 in fp2 i think the decision that he was going to stick around was maybe one that a lot of people were expecting anyway but what did you make of the contract extension
2: yeah i think it was it was the most logical thing to do but i was did you, know, you kind of get feelers for what the t- kind of messages from the team and i spoke to Checo at the hungarian grand prix and first time he seemed a little bit downbeat about things that how difficult the progress had been he told me that um Racing for Red Bull this season, it felt like racing in a completely different category. It was like nothing he'd experienced in Formula One before. So, just this huge step up. And he's been quite clear all the time that, you know, he's coming from so far behind with such limited pre season testing, um, with only two one hour sessions now on a weekend, time so limited, um, two one hour sessions on a Friday, sorry, time so limited to get on top of the tyres and the car and the setup. So, it always feels that when he gets to Sunday, he's finally on top of things. But race weekend's all finished, so he kind of needs it to to reset. So I was hoping that, you know, Red Bull would give him another season that we'd get to see kind of the genuine progress. We've seen strong flashes of speed from him. We know he's got the consistency. We know how good he's in the races. <clears throat> it's just that difficulty of getting up to speed in a in a difficult thing. And you always worry with Red Bull that they just demand and want too much from that second car too quickly that didn't particularly give Gasly much time to get up there they were quite impatient when albon didn't quite get there so were they going to you know make another mistake try to get someone in they think could do a better job and then that doesn't work and you get trapped in this endless cycle of trying to chase chase something that potentially could be better when you'd be better off sticking with what you've got and honing it and harnessing it so i think it's the right choice i think checker can deliver i think he's got the great experience he's working well with max um and they'll make a good strong pairing rest of this year and into next season.
1: And how do you think he is looking for this weekend ahead? Do you think that he'll be able to put in a strong performance coming off the back of that? I'm sure that the contract extension will give him a little bit of a confidence boost as well, knowing that he has the team fully backing him. Uh, But do you think that this is a track that he will perform well at given his performance in other races? Or do you think that, again, it will be a case of him we'll have to see how he how well he finds his feet throughout the weekend and then evaluate on Sunday.
2: Yeah, I think it'll be this similar story we've seen from other tracks that he may well struggle to extract the maximum from these tyres in qualifying. Um, he's always needed a, a little bit more time or more laps on the, the softer compound just to try and understand where the limits are. But he always comes good on Sunday and Spa is a track you can overtake. Um, it's a track where if you can look after the tyres, it can give you a good advantage. So I've got... I think come Sunday, he's a definite podium contender, um, but he may not be starting in the top three tomorrow.
1: Okay. And one other thing I want to touch on before we move to the midfield teams is the fact that there's been quite a lot of chat recently about the fact that the Red Bull drivers are likely going to have to take a penalty at some point in the year because they're likely going to have to use a fourth engine. And of course, some of the reasons they've had to replace the engines is due to damage caused by crashes. What do you make of that situation? Because there's been, you know, different views and the fact that the teams are having to take an extra hit off the back of incidents that aren't always their fault, and some people are saying that that's not fair and that the rules need to be looked at again because of that. What do you make of that scenario? Is it just the nature of racing, or do you think there is actually a gap here that needs to be that needs to be looked at?
2: No, I think. I mean, it does seem unfair that you can you can be completely innocent uh, in a situation a championship fight. Um, like Max was um, and even Leclerc or Sergio and someone else's mistake can take you out but equally this is the nature of racing that you can you know lead the championship for every single race and come the last round of the season a bat marker could take you out Um, you lose the points and lose the championship and you don't get a second chance to say actually that wasn't unfair I would have won it um, were it not for that so I think it's just part and parcel of racing unfortunately uh, and I think it's it's one of those elements of Formula One where I think over a season, kind of the the good luck and the bad luck tends to even itself out. You know, it may not. It may be that this engine penalty that Max has picked up for the accident at Silverstone um, proves to be the thing that hands Lewis the extra points that wins Lewis the championship. And you know, we won't know that until we, we kind of finish in Abu Dhabi um, in December. But... um. I think you just have to accept it what it is because I think if you go down a route of saying you know if a driver is uh, involved in an accident that's not entirely his fault he can get a free engine then how do you judge what engine to replace it What if if your engine's done five races are you then allowed to have a fresh engine that works much better than a driver who's looked after all his engines Um, what if a driver was predominantly to blame but wasn't fully to blame is that is that the same thing? What if the driver um, that took you out is your teammate? What do you do in those scenarios? Or what if he works for a sister team or all this sort of thing? I think it's too... I think it opens up such a can of worms if you try to go down that route of trying to apportion where blame lies, what free um, free elements you could get if you're, you're an innocent party. I think you just have to accept, unfortunately, this is the nature of racing. It's the nature of sport. Um, you know, you can have freak events in football matches um where you kind of a ball could come off a referee or something totally out of your control um that doesn't uh can cost you world cups and can cost you championships you just have to accept that this unfortunately happens and over the course of 12 months 23 races you should get as much bad luck as good luck
1: Hmm, hopefully it evens itself out You're right, though, it does open up such a grey area um, if we were to go down that route. And I'm sure that there'd be complaints if we went down that route as well, because there's no way to make it entirely fair when it is a sport that is, there there are freak things that happen and there are things that are completely out of some people's control. Let's go back to what we saw today on track, though. Um, The midfield, let's move to them because we've spoken about Red Bull and Mercedes enough. Of course, last time out, Esteban Ocon brought home his first win. Everyone was very excited to see that. A fantastic result for him and the team. Now they played. the Alpines placed P9 and P10 in FP1 today, and then P4 and P7 in FP two, with Alonso, the quickest of the two, in that second session. But we saw a mix of the midfield drivers setting good times. We saw Pierre Gasly up there as well. Um, which drivers and teams do you think are looking more comfortable going into this weekend? We know that it is quite neck and neck um amongst the midfield teams, the Ferraris, McLaren's, etc. Who have you got your eye on for a good weekend?
2: I think I think Alpine is the one to watch. Um we saw last year this was this was the start of the then Renault team's kind of push up the the championship order. They um were very very strong here last year with Daniel and Esteban. Um the car seemed to suit uh, kind of these this medium downforce setting. It seems seems to be peak peak for its car concept. Um seems to be the same same today. We know normally on Fridays the Alpine Tends to performance tends to be flattered a little bit whether they run different programs or different engine modes or um, some way they approach Fridays they, they often have more encouraging Fridays than is matched on Saturdays but I think there's been a more consistency from their speed today it's not just been two laps where they've been super quick they've been qu- quick in both sessions um, they appear to be up there I think that result in Hungary you know although it was down to you know an element of good fortune in terms of all the, the big hitters being taken out of the first corner. You know, it was still a very strong drive from Esteban, and it will have delivered, you know, some confidence and, um, you know, lifted everyone's chins a little bit uh, as they head here. Um, so I think they're, they're, they'll be the one to, to watch as potentially the third best team.
1: And of course, Fernando Alonso also announced his contract extension with the team for 2022 as well. We've driver market is starting to uh, liven up a little bit, but we all know that we are still waiting on that big announcement about that second Mercedes seat, and I'm sure we'll talk about that more as the weekend unfolds. But staying on the midfield for a minute, how are the McLaren and Ferraris looking? Because they are always close this year. Um, Is there one team that you think is more suited towards this track, and why? Or are there any particular drivers that have really um, shown some strength today?
2: Yeah, McLaren haven't had the greatest of days um, but I think they. but they've been a team that have had kind of the opposite of Alpine really yeah their the Fridays have, are a bit often have Fridays quite low-key Fridays and feel quite downbeat about everything and think oh we're on the back foot and it's going to be a weekend where our rivals are up there and then suddenly in Q1 Lando Norris pops it up there and in Q2 he's you know pushing the Mercedes and Red Bulls so I would expect them to still be in the hunt I don't think they're going to end up you know outside of q3 and struggling there so they're looking all right and ferrari we didn't really see um the full potential um obviously charles had the accident just you know pushing too hard made a mistake and went off but we've seen the ferrari making good progress they seem to be more on top of the tires now as this season's gone on i think they've dialed a a better balance on that car just to try to you know even up the the wear on the the front and the rears so while that may hurt them in qualifying a little bit because they've you know got to abuse the rear of the car a bit more to get the front to grip in and stop this kind of sliding and graining and suffering that we put on the fronts i think it's still a strong race car um maybe not as strong as it's been we've seen at kind of monaco azerbaijan time but i think i think you'll you'll see Al, alpine mclaren and ferrari is that in that fight for best of the rest here and maybe maybe alpine will be be at the front edge of it this weekend
1: interesting we'll have to keep an eye on that that would definitely be a solid run following on from that race win back in budapest now one well a couple of more things before we wrap wrap it up first of all we've seen several drivers taking new power units this weekend aside from that have you seen any upgrades this weekend that are worth noting worth keeping an eye out for or does it look like things haven't changed too drastically since pre-summer break
2: no, there's a few a few little tweaks with McLaren said this morning they've uh, just made some little brake duct revisions. But I think we've we pretty much seen the end of the major upgrades and updates. I think any team now that is devoting a lot of resource to this season is going to find it's um, going to be falling behind in the 2022 development. I think all eyes are now on getting this 2022 car um, sorted and maximising the progress. So they'll, they'll, every team will be wanting to maximise, make sure that Every win on a run, every time the CFD is running, um, it's delivering progress and upgrades and downforce and more downforce points for next season. Um, and then they'll try to extract as much as they can from these current cars, just from understanding them and switching tyres on and um, working with drivers. Um, and I think that's why we've potentially, I think we've seen a lot more drivers in simulators as well recently, because I think it's about maximising the setup on a, a Grand Prix weekend. So, with two one hour sessions, you can't afford to be coming to weekend unsure of what setup you want or unsure where the balance needs to be or the setup. You need to hit the ground running. So, um, I think that's why we're seeing a lot more teams pushing resources to simulators. You know, we know the McLaren guys are in there a lot. We know Lewis has been working a lot at um, Mercedes. And also, you know, Sauber, Alfa Romeo have got their new simulator up there running and have been on the phone quite a lot to Kimi Raikkonen who has the misfortune from what kind of his reaction to live close to factory. So he's on tap to, to go into the simulator, which I don't think he's a huge fan of.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can imagine those calls. Kimmy needs to come in. <laughs> I'm sure that he it uh, doesn't always look forward to those. Um, now, before we finish, what are your qualifying predictions, given what you've seen today and given the form of the team so far? Who are you going to go for on poll?
2: I think it's still going to be Lewis. I think that the Mercedes is still the pace setter here. Um, I think the power advantage um, that we've seen in the last few races is still there. Um, And it wasn't a great, I mean, Lewis said today the car didn't feel, he didn't feel totally on top of the car. Um, It wasn't completely to his liking. So I think think it'll be a Lewis max front row um, and in that order.
1: Mm. and that's what we all want to see once again we want to see them (laughs) will to will as we kick off the second half of the season thank you for chatting john that is all from us today but of course we'll be back tomorrow to wrap up qualifying and again on sunday with our extended show but in the meantime head over to autosport plus right now to have a little look at a range of brilliant articles that we have up there including a piece on how schumacher's trust made everyone engineering fun and why Silverstone should be regarded as MotoGP's rightful UK home. And that is all from us, take care.
0: reach new career heights with university of maryland's robert h smith school of business flexible mba and ms options gmat and gre not required learn more at go.umd.edu slash smith school university of maryland smith school of business inspired fearless unstoppable sports social podcast network okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry Ooh, a book club computer solitaire huh